Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Happy Friday, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Bailey Showalter, VP of Talent Solutions at Credly, the world's largest network of verified talent. Credly helps the world speak a common language of verified knowledge, skills, and abilities. Thank you for joining me today, Bailey. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited about our conversation. Yeah, me too. So just speaking of verified talent, one of the things that's super interesting in today's labor market are transferable skills. For recruiters looking for today's top candidates, what sort of transferable skills do you recommend looking for? It's role specific a little bit, but I think it's also starting to break down the components of a role in a really intentional way and saying, what are the skills that it takes to be successful for this job? A lot of the folks on my team, for example, tend to have some sort of data analytics capabilities. So we look at, all right, what are the tools we use all the time? Excel, there's a little bit of data visualization and a tool that we use, and then you know, SQL. And so the places where people learn that are pretty varied. So rather than looking at the job title, has this person specifically been a data analyst before? It's have they used these tools and capabilities in other roles and represented those in projects that they can bring to the table? So just starting to really kind of unpack the difference between the job title and the underpinnings of the skills that they use to deliver on their projects. Yeah, just having familiarity with a certain tool stack within Microsoft or like some other developer website kind of a thing. Like you can teach the specific things, not necessarily the ease operating it. Exactly. And if you have most of them, then we can probably teach you the rest. Yeah. It's just kind of figuring out what are the gaps that you can teach? What are your non-negotiables to get up and running as quickly as possible? And so I think it invites a little bit more intentionality up front with the hiring team, but really, really broadens the candidate pool of people that could be an amazing fit for your company. That's really true. And I remember you mentioning at some point in your work with my coworker, Bianca, that your own transferable skill sets kind of helped you along in your career. Would you mind elaborating on that? Yeah. I mean, I have had a journey. I started my career in sales. And one of the things that I think you have to develop super quickly to be remotely good at sales is communication skills and stakeholder management. Getting all of the people who have an interest in the product or service that you're selling involved and bringing them along for the ride, making sure that their questions are answered and any concerns that they have also addressed. That skill of stakeholder management and the communication and directness that goes into supporting that effectively is what's made me good as a strategist, is what's made me good as a leader. You know, finding places to really nurture that kind of in a pressure cooker have unlocked a lot of my capabilities with being able to grow and surround it with other skills as I evolve in my career. That's awesome. And you mentioned having the ability to grow, whether it's under pressure or not. What sort of steps have you taken to further your education as far as growing into leadership? and also mentoring those who are working under you now? I read a ton. I have multiple books scattered around my desk all the time. And so part of it is just reading, learning, listening to podcasts, trying to figure out what other people are talking about and seeing how that resonates or doesn't for me. There's also a lot of conversation with other people who are where I want to go and asking them what worked for them and you know how to develop it. 
And then of course, formal training and going through courses online and following the really structured learning and starting to compile a profile of verified achievements that I can also use to show externally as well. This was actually before I was a people manager, but one of the places where I really leaned into that was my first job after sales. And I had volunteered to take on a project that I was sort of qualified for, but I was very enthusiastic about and spent a ton of time on it. And they were turning it into a full-time role and said I was eligible to apply. I had done well enough, nice, but that my data analytics skills were lacking. I just didn't have enough experience with a lot of tools to be effective. So I frantically went on Coursera, found a course from Duke University and went through like, you know, crash course. How do I learn better Excel skills? How do I get the basics of SQL under my belt? And, you know, what do I need to learn to be effective in this role? Went through it, studied a ton, and then was able to turn around and say, not only am I willing to learn what you need me to right now, but I have the skills. And so really leaning into that to facilitate those conversations as well. That's so cool that you took the initiative to kind of like get up and go after it and fill in the gaps that your superiors saw that you had for that next role. Honestly, I was really lucky that they told me what it was. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times as leaders, we don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And so we'll shy away from those hard conversations of if you had these skills, you'd be more eligible for this role that you're interested in or this project that you're interested in. And he very directly told me what the gaps were and why he wouldn't be able to hire me if I couldn't close them. So it gave me a very clear objective to run after and a time frame that had to be completed so that I could be eligible. And I really respect that he was honest enough with me and was willing to engage in that conversation. And that ability to communicate and be honest with you as a leader makes it feel more like constructive criticism, like trying to boost you up rather than be like, well, you're missing all these gaps. So obviously we can't take you kind of a thing. Exactly. There is a big difference between the two conversations. And kind of in the same vein, what steps do you think employers can take for employees that might not have the initiative that you did to either further their reskilling or upskilling in their respective roles or for future roles? I think it's tying it to an outcome or an objective, especially if it's one that that person cares about. I think step one is having those career conversations. Where do you want to go? What do you want to learn? What are your goals here? And maybe even having the tougher conversation of where do you want to be five years from now? What are your longer term or medium term goals? And then if we can say, okay, this is how we can work backwards from where you want to be. Then we can chart a course that aligns with the business needs today and also helps you stay on that path that is more appealing to you long term. So I think the closer we can tie it to those longer term objectives, the more real the impact of that learning becomes and more worthwhile to engage in. And with the worthwhileness of learning and development of employees, do you think there's a significant difference between reskilling efforts and upskilling efforts? Like if employers today should invest in one over the other? I feel like with many of my answers, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think upskilling is getting better in your current role. So it's deepening your skill set. And that can be the thing that needs to be focused on. There also are a lot of roles, for example, that may be at risk of automation. And we need you to reskill so that we can focus on this other area of the business that was still absolutely critical and your skills are largely transferable to, but there is a gap. And so it depends on your business strategy. It depends on the elements of the team themselves. And then, of course, it boils down to that human component of, you know, what does that team member actually want out of their career? Where are they going to wake up feeling kind of on fire and excited to come to work? And how do you unlock that as well? 
Do you have any advice for opening that sort of communication between employers and employees so that you know what your workers are passionate about and how you can either motivate them toward a learning opportunity or tailor whatever learning opportunities are available to their own growth and development? A lot of this falls on the burden of the manager, but you know it's really inviting that conversation in a safe space where, especially if their answer isn't exactly the promotion or the next step in that current line, but creating a non-judgmental, constructive space to have that conversation, then putting it somewhere that's durable and probably visible across multiple manager groups as appropriate so that we can all work together and maybe start to figure out which projects, if I don't have any for someone on my team, if someone else does, we can start to collaborate with each other on. So breaking down those barriers, both within the manager group, but also just between the manager and the employee and creating a safer space. That makes sense. I literally had a similar conversation with my boss, Josh, like yesterday, just because we're starting to explore more video opportunities. And he's like, are you interested in this? I'll let you take first step if you want, if you have the bandwidth. And I'm like, right now, no, but let me know if there's like one-off projects I can work on rather than having a series of projects that'll be like due every single day of the week or something just to start. Exactly. It's like just asking the question a lot of times, like it gets you the answer of yes, no, maybe somewhere in between. I feel like most people want to learn. Most people want to grow. Most people want to work on things that are exciting to them. And a lot of people aren't asked. And so let's change that dynamic. Yeah. Like you had mentioned earlier about creating a safe space for these conversations. Do you think that has been made more difficult with remote and hybrid work just because you have to be asked and there's a little bit of like a bias between who you see in person or more frequently over other people? It can. I think as managers, we have to be more intentional about it. It's not going to happen incidentally at a water cooler conversation. So one of the things that I've done with my manager, we have a quarterly calendar block now of just a reminder to check in on career growth and goals, progression against my annual objectives, because otherwise time flies and it's really easy to forget the conversation. And it it doesn't come up as incidentally because we don't bump into each other often. We just have to remind ourselves and create space to have those conversations. And personally, for me, what works is those calendar blocks. Yeah, I can relate to that a lot. I, again, with my boss, I was like, I need to see things in order to remember to do them, especially with longer term goals, like year long goals. That's smart, having a structure so that you can check in on those bigger projects before they get away from you. Yeah, I live out of my calendar. I think other people have other tools that work better for them, but if it's not on my calendar, I forget. <laughs> so everything of importance needs to have a home on my calendar. And that's how we figured out how to make it work. But yeah, I think it's figuring out what works well for you and your teams, but make sure to have the conversation and have it more often than you think you need to. Gotcha. Are there any other like communication strategies that you've experimented with, either with your own team or with other teams that you think might be a viable option for other managers? You know, it kind of depends on what platforms people like to work out of and where things are being documented. So on a project to project basis, I'm always super available on Slack. So if there's something that's interesting to someone on my team, they can just pay me and say like, hey, heard about this. I want to work on it. Cool. As long as, you know, we can be pretty quick and responsive there. And then I think similarly, like when we post new jobs and we might be promoting people or hiring for a new role, being able to just either send an email or a ping and just say, I'm interested in this. How can I get prepared? What do you think? And then scheduling time to have the conversation. Because again, if it doesn't happen on my calendar, it doesn't happen. But that's just me. It's kind of figuring how you and your teams collaborate and work. And there are so many productivity tools, so many ways of breaking down those barriers. I would say each person would know what works best for them. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. As you're talking about promoting people and recruiting people to different roles, I was wondering how you thought the Great Resignation has transformed recruiting and retention strategies over the past couple of years. I think it has changed the conversation significantly and shifted the balance of power, for lack of a better word, to employees and to job seekers. You know, it's been a bit of a job seeker market for a long time where companies have just been growing like crazy. And so they've been trying to hire to support their growth. But now they're also trying to stop the bleeding from people leaving, looking for other opportunities at other companies that are super fast growing. And it has really forced us to stop and think and consider what it is that would make people want to stay. They say that one of the most stressful things you can do is take on a new job. So I don't take that lightly. If someone is looking for a new job, there's got to be a really good reason for them to do it. And what are we not meeting? So I think it's invited a lot more conversations about pay equity and transparency with transparency with mobility. But also, you know, people are looking to grow. They're looking for engagement. They want to know that you as their employer have their back. And I think one of the best ways that we have seen that employed is through employers literally saying, here's how we're going to help you grow. Like, here are learning opportunities that we're recommending based off of your goals and giving acknowledgement and recognition for that in a way that's public and fun and celebratory. All of that goes a long way in making people feel seen, making them, them feel supported and making them feel like their goals are cared about and that they can achieve them with you. And so it has changed top of funnel. It's changed the way that we look at skills and who we should be interviewing. I think it's broken down a lot of the barriers in terms of fixating on kind of where did you go to school? Did you work for one of the top five tech companies or in whatever industry you're in? Right. Getting down to like transferable skills and if they fit the company culture, like we had talked about a little earlier. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, can you do the job? Not necessarily have you done the job, but can you do the job? And will you add to our company culture and make us better? Uh, and then once they're there, how can we help you continue to grow and feel supported? I think it's that simple, but that's a lot to change. <laughs> <laughs> it's simple on paper and complicated in practice. Exactly. <laughs> simple is not necessarily easy, but I think it is that simple. Yeah. Even just from like a personal end, I started this job just shy of a year ago. So the changes I've seen just from switching careers, switching companies, I feel like, at least from what I've seen, we're moving in a good direction. You know, change is slow and bumpy. There will be setbacks and, and we won't do everything perfectly the first time. And I feel like I'm seeing a lot of positive momentum around being able to really transfer skills across all sorts of industries and roles and competencies. That's a really exciting thing. And it makes us better as teams to have more diverse perspectives around us. It's always a good thing when our employers are trying to make us feel more supported, more heard, and help us grow. So I think those are great. I'm really excited to see these trends continue. Yeah, same here. Speaking of exciting things, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is what you have planned for this weekend. What are you looking forward to? I'm actually going to the beach. Nice. The weather looks a little dodgy, but best case scenario, I get a slight sunburn and we'll get to put my toes in the sand I'm really looking forward to getting out in front of the water a little bit, unplugging, and then getting ready for a super busy fall. I hope you have a really good day at the beach. Thank you. Even though sunburn is your best case scenario, <laughs> I hope you <laughs> I hope you don't get sunburned and you just have fantastic weather and plenty of sunscreen. <laughs> Thank you. I do sunscreen aggressively, but I know me. And so it's usually the one spot that you forget about that's the issue. But that's really just hoping the weather holds out and we get to be outside enough to even have the problem. Yeah. 
Bailey, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Maddie. It's been uh, super awesome to be here and I hope you have an awesome weekend as well. Thank you. Again, I'm Maddie Collins and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.